What's up, everybody? This is Brandon Barnes, host of the Resimply podcast, where our goal is to put the simple in real estate. So I have an awesome guest, Alex Camacho, here today, traveling all over the world, uh, hanging out in Mexico. How you doing, Alex? Amazing, Brandon. Thank you for having me on, man. It's a pleasure. We've been using Resimply for a while, and I know we're going to talk a lot of things real estate, so I'm excited. Yeah, excited. First time you and I meeting. Uh, nice to virtually meet you. So Alex, today we're going to go over, you know, how we use Resimply Marketing, all the cool strategies. Uh, before we get into that, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Where are you living? And what are you doing in real estate? Yeah, so thanks for, for asking. Um, uh, so to give context to the listeners and the audience. So I'm a full-time real estate investor and entrepreneur. Um, I grew up in Southern California. Um, however, during COVID a couple of years ago, I ended up moving to the island of Maui, Hawaii. And then um, after that, about a year and a half ago, which is somewhere in that whole journey, I also added Guadalajara, Mexico, where I'm at here now because of a family. And so essentially I live in three places, is Hawaii, LA, and then uh, Mexico. I kind of balance between those locations depending on my, my wants, needs, and have a bit of a location dependence. But I fix and flip property, uh, predominantly Southern California. So we, we do about 20 deals plus a year doing that. I don't wholesale very much, but through making money through flipping real estate, I get to keep some of those as rentals. So I do burrs and all that. And then um, because I moved to Hawaii, I've got multiple properties there. I got three properties that I rent when I'm not there. And then I also um, you know, have an apartment building in Phoenix, Arizona. So I bought my first multifamily last year. And that one's kind of kicking me in the in the nuts a little bit right now, but it's it's you know learning experience as with everybody in the, in the business. And in the last six to eight months, with interest rates changing, uh, we've had a lot of challenges. But um, nonetheless, yeah, I have a, a great tribe of people in Southern California called the Deal Makers. So we we host meetups and um, try to empower other people through that kind of avenue. And I just love the game, man, of real estate investing. So I'm always happy to share anything I can that might benefit somebody in whatever part of the journey that they're in. That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. And anybody in the last six or nine months tell you that real estate hasn't been tough, then they're not in real estate. It's been interesting. And there could be three worst places to live. I mean, uh, Southern California, Mexico, and Hawaii. Before we get into real estate, how did you pick Hawaii from Southern California? Um, what, what brought you out there? So the, the, there's a great story behind that. A lot of people are familiar with that podcast, Bigger Pockets. And so one of the hosts on there, uh, the, you know, Brandon Turner, He's somebody that I looked up for many years uh, as my journey, um, you know, developed and started and all that. I will listen to that podcast. Well, um, sometime in 2018, I got the opportunity to basically go to Hawaii on vacation. I think it was 19. I don't know. It's a blur now. But uh, 18, 19. Uh, yeah, 19. I'm sorry. I got a chance to go to Hawaii and I fell in love. And I was shocked that I had never been there having, you know, my base be in Southern California because a lot of people go to Hawaii for vacation and such. But I went there and I, Brandon was so gracious to me. We met at church and, you know, he liked my story. And he basically said, hey man, uh, we have this mastermind coming up um, in about 10 days, you should come. We have a, a, one more slot available. I think you'd be a great uh, final addition there. And I was honored and I said, yes. And so I came back 10 days later to Hawaii. Um, I went to that mastermind and I can say I was definitely the smallest fish in that room. But that's what they say you need to be because your, your growth potential is so much greater because of the people that you're around and exposed to and everything you can learn from them. So I um, went back from that mastermind, super energized, focused, executed the vision that I implemented or that I had thought of during that mastermind. And then Brandon and I kind of stayed in touch. 
he ended up reaching out during COVID. Everything was locked down. And said, "Hey, man, I want to do some more real estate deals here in uh, in Maui. You know, it sounds like you're selling your primary residence, and you love Hawaii. Why don't you come out and do some deals together?" And so uh, I jumped on the opportunity. He ended up switching um, his desire during that time because he wanted to focus on the podcast and on his open door capital. But he left the door open for me to move over and say, "Hey, man, we'll get you on the podcast, which would always be a dream of mine." Well, you know, you'll be able to surf and snorkel with, with some of the cool people here on the island. And, and um, you know, COVID was, everything was ugly in Los Angeles. So it was like, oh. shoot, let's do it. Um, so I hopped over and didn't do any deals right away. I just started working on creating a remote flipping company in Southern California. So I did that and um, just lived the island life, man, for a good part of now. It's been almost, um, you know, a good two and a half years. But um, because I was already remote, I'm like, well, you know, I started traveling, doing other stuff because it, it can, you can get a little, it gets a little bit small. I'm single, I don't have any kids, and you know, Maui's a little bit slow sometimes. So I started going out to Mexico and saying hi to some family and other other traveling, and I just really love my return on investment. I'd go for two weeks to Mexico, and I just barely spent any money. I lived like a king, and so it was a kind of an extension of the whole life by design concept that I try to live by. And I said, well, why don't I just add this to, you know, where I live and I could just bounce back and forth between Maui and Mexico. And I've been doing that. And then now I've transitioned to spending a lot more time in Southern California because my business has grown, the, the dealmaker tribe has grown and also market shifting, but I still get to you know go to the other places whenever I want and when things kind of come up and I do business in these places. So it's not like it's all vacation. I, you know, I have a whole setup here, as you can see in every place that I live. So I'm able to still operate. And so I don't have to feel like I can't get work done just simply because I'm in a different location, different time zone. That's an awesome mindset to have is to not be, I always admire, I live in Charleston. I flip in Charleston. I, in fact, I'm trying to wholesale a house literally like a minute from my primary residence. And it, it's so cool to me, the people that are like, I can be anywhere and do anything. Cause really you can't, you build systems and processes. You can flip houses in LA or anywhere in Southern California from Maui, from Mexico. Yeah, I do want to add a little context there though. Uh, keep in mind, I've been doing this for six years now and the first two and a half to three, I was mainly working in Southern California. I did, you know, 60, 70 deals before I even moved. So I don't advocate just, oh, let's just pick a market and start doing that without any real knowledge, experience or trusted people, boots on the ground, people that can really execute um, whether it be flipping or wholesaling or any of the strategies that people talk about or investors do. So um, I had a lot of uh, things that I could, uh, a, a solid foundation that allowed me to build it this way. So, but it did take a lot of time and a lot of effort. I, and I will say there are a lot of benefits from investing in your backyard and, and the focus and concentration. So, um, but for me, I, I value, you know, lifestyle uh, highly. So other people, maybe they want to make more money. So I think if I was based in Southern California full time, as I'm seeing now, as I'm transitioning back, I see that there are opportunities maybe that I've missed because I've been remote, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and change it either. And, and I think you nailed it. Like I think, and I'll use the example of the house that I was a minute from where I live. I have my truck wrap. The guy literally drove through by our house said, Hey, I just evicted a tenant. I'm selling my house. If you want it, you can have it before a realtor within, you know, I walked down there with my kids. We walked it, made an offer. Boom. You know, those opportunities don't necessarily come if you don't live here, but you know, you can return that in the sense of building a lifestyle that you want. You say lifestyle by design and you're absolutely right. Don't, don't just go pick some random city and somewhere else. No, don't know anybody, no contractions. Like I'm going to flip a home. It's good. Yeah. And because of this lifestyle, Brandon, I, let's say I pop into a city like Arizona, Phoenix that I invest in. We'll have, I do, I am a big advocate of using social media for a tool for your business. 
So I network with people and people love my lifestyle. So they want to meet with me. I connect with people. And they're like, oh, cool. So I connect with people in other ways that maybe I wouldn't if I was just calling only LA home. So there, there's just pros and cons to all of it. But just make sure that you know you understand that um, and just be conscious about the lifestyle that you're building is what I advocate for. Just It's not necessarily just like everybody could live what I uh, lifestyle I do, but I think people want freedom. That's why they get in real estate. And you know what? I love location freedom. Yep. And you, and you nailed it. You executed the vision that you built for yourself. That was what people need to understand is like, you built your vision, you executed. My vision's different. My next door neighbor's vision is different. Everybody's in. So it's awesome. Yeah, so what got you into real estate? You've been doing it, you said six years now, seven years, something like that? Yes. So originally I got into real estate as a, a realtor. Um, okay. I had been in the mor uh, mortgage. Well, going back, I got into banking right out of high school, which kind of set the foundation, but there was a limit to income there. So I was there for five years, loved it, but I ended up moving on to the mortgage business. Um, and then I did really well during the mortgage business, but I didn't love that overall business and the mortgages and the rates. And it just didn't really resonate with me, but i made a ton of money. And then the market crashed back in 2008. And then I ended up losing couple of houses i ended up you know losing everything i had but i was in my early mid-20s making a couple hundred thousand a year just reckless you know popping bottles at the nightclubs you know doing all the things that uh, someone in that at, at age making a ton of money will do and had no mentors no real good habits and then i stumbled upon real estate agents uh you know as a way of me kind of getting back into the game because it was so prevalent during the recession everybody was a, a realtor doing short sales and things like that. So I got my license. And then I found that I love the physical asset of real estate and being able to control it, transform it and everything it provides. And I think it impacts everybody. So I think I just found what I really wanted to be in, which was real estate, not real estate finance, but all that experience was super valuable. And then um, I started doing all these short sales and I noticed that all the real estate investors that I was short selling these properties to, were making a killing. I mean, they were making like a hundred grand on a deal and I was making like 10. So I just, it was simple math for me. I'm like, well, they're making this and I'm making that. And I'm doing all the work, the heavy lifting to get this short sale approved or these ugly foreclosure deals to the, you know, to the, as an opportunity for them. Then I really want to do what they're doing. But at the time I still didn't have any money. I had lost it all. And so it kind of was just a plant, a seed that was planted in my head to be a real estate investor, but I didn't take action. I actually got lured back into the mortgage business uh, on the wholesale side. Um, and that didn't really pan out, but it did lead me to Airbnb, do some Airbnb arbitrage, which uh, is something that I just kind of stumbled upon because I was always a fan of Airbnb. And so as I started doing some Airbnb arbitrage, I noticed that like, eh, this is kind of on shaky ground. I don't think I'm gonna be able to scale this up. I really wasn't making that much money, but it, it got to a point where it was kind of consistent. I was making like, 10 grand well my brother and i we were making like five and five each kind of on, on a system and i just decided at that point well this is my juncture this is kind of like the pivotal point that i can go into investing because i came across bigger pockets and podcasts around that time that was around 2016 17 and so 2017 is when i went all in went to go work for a real estate investor um really successful uh guy out of um you know san fernando valley in la worked for him for like a year taught me a lot but I didn't make very much money. It, it was very, very low pay, um, lots of hours cold calling, a um, lot of failure. But in that year, I was able to get him over a dozen deals, kind of proof of concept and understand like, hey man, I could find consistent deals. And then after that, um, I got recruited by a bigger company and they were doing much more volume. Their, their profit margins were less, but they had a lot more capital. And so I would call them kind of like a mini hedge fund, fund and they were flipping 
at a really high scale, over 150 properties annually. And so I learned a lot of systems processes from them, worked with them for like a good year and a half. And then right at that, like the middle of that third year is when I kind of broke through, had a huge uh, six figure month by doing kind of my own deals inside, working with, you know, this other company and I had saved enough. So right around year number three, going to four is when I decided to start my own company. And so basically the last three, three years or so I've had my own company. Um, and that's kind of in the time frame that, you know, I've kind of scaled it up, moved to Hawaii and done everything else. But yeah, so it's been, it's been a crazy run, but um, I'm super happy where I'm at now. And I, I feel like I'm just getting warmed up. That's awesome. Yeah. And you learned. I mean, 150 in this company operated out of California. Yeah, yeah, and there were that's a lot of that's a moving a bunch of homes in California. Yeah, exactly. And that's what was shocking. I'm like, damn, they were like a, a mini hedge fund because they were buying houses at, at such a high rate that it was shocking to me because it broke that limiting belief of like, oh, hey, you know, buying a couple houses a month is a big deal. Well, they're buying sometimes a couple houses a day from the auction, from MLS, from wholesalers. And there was, you know, months I would buy them five, six, seven houses in one month. And it just really helped me to see like so many transactions in that because I saw, I mean, you get 60, 70 deals my first two and a half years. Plus I saw them in that year and a half buy another hundred homes. So just in that two and a half year period of time, I saw a couple hundred deals. And so that was, I mean, to this day, I wouldn't be where I'm at without that experience, even though I made very little money. So yeah, so you saw the, the limiting belief being able to expand going from, hey, I can buy one or two a month or whatever it is to wait, these people are buying multiple a day, which once you can see it, believing it is so much easier. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and that's what masterminds are about. That's what, you know, these seminars and conferences or just getting around other people that are doing things that are far past your experience or what you expected or what you think is possible is super valuable for many reasons because like you said it breaks that limiting belief um so to me buying a couple houses a month is, is nothing because like i've seen so much more than that um it, it just it really is helpful with that it would break in those limiting beliefs awesome so you said you were younger you were in the mortgage world um, you said no mentor. Uh, I think you have one now or you're in some kind of program. Uh, tell me about that. How has that helped also shape kind of you creating your own business? Yeah, that's a great um, segue there because I believe highly in mentors. Um, I read this amazing book called Mastery by Robert Greene uh, at the beginning of my journey. And it highlighted this. I, I talk about it often. I'm sure other people have listened to my podcast. I've mentioned it um, or the podcast that I've been on that it had this super uh, thought-provoking chapter about being an apprentice. And since I had already made the commitment of, hey, I'm gonna give this a decade of my life because I had failed in the mortgage business and I had, but I had also succeeded, right? And so I wanted to kind of really succeed at a high level. So um, I read this book and it talked about how, you know, people back in the days, welders and carpenters and people like that would spend seven years as an apprentice before they went and did it on their own. And by then they had already become, you know, kind of a master of their craft. So I really took that approach. Um, and so my journey has always been about the learning part more so than the earning part, because I realized that if the more I learn, the better skills I have, the more money that I can command, demand and earn. And so after I left that other company and I went off and started my own company, it's not like they taught me how to run a company either. They just, I now had the skills to acquire property at a discount consistently, but I didn't have the skills to be a leader or to manage people or to hire and train all the other things like that. So um, I got um, into this program with Ryan Pineda. I think he said he's a mutual friend of ours. I had met him at Brandon Turner's mastermind. Um, so 
I was already a fan of him. And then we became friends or we knew each other through that mastermind. About six months after that, he called me up about a deal he locked up in LA because he's in Las Vegas. And he said, hey dude, can you help me vet this deal? You know, this is kind of a, not really our buy box. We're gonna wholesale this thing. I said, cool. I helped out my buddy, gave him my thoughts on the numbers. And then he says, hey, do you wanna buy it? I mean, we're gonna wholesale it at this price. This is what we have it locked up at. And I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. So he ended up making 35,000, if I recall, on that wholesale deal. And then I went and flipped the house and made like 93,000. So it was like, cool, man, we boys, like we locked up here. And then um, he hit me up and said, hey, you, I think you'd be great uh, for the program that I'm about to launch, this coaching program. It was still relatively new, what he was doing. And it was an easy fit, man. It just was like, let me double down on this relationship. He was doing a lot more volume than me. And um, he's been a fantastic mentor. And I, I'm now I've been in this program almost three years. I help a lot of the junior students. I'm a coach in the program. Um, and through his you know, gu guidance and advice and everything he works on, I've also kind of been able to, to grow my own brand and all the things that I've worked on in Southern California. And then also Brandon Turner is somebody that, you know, not only did I go to Mastermind 2019, but I've gone to it every single year since. So you got to pay to play sometimes. Even though I knew all this other stuff, people think like the learning just stops or you just get to a point where it's like, okay, now I know it. But it's a moving target for yourself, for the business, for the industry, for your market. So you got to be reinvesting. And sometimes that's about the network. Sometimes it's about specific tactics and techniques. And so you got to be on the hunt for like the next thing because it's always going to change. And um, also you're always evolving and growing and things is moving at, things move at such a fast pace now. I can't even keep up with everything. I, I, yes, I'm advanced in some aspects, but I'm also really junior beginning in many other parts of investing as well. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's moving so fast and you have two really awesome people in your corner, you know, in their masterminds and their programs that can help solve a lot of those problems. And what's cool about it is you'll probably solve the problem on your own regardless. But if you have people who've been there and done it, you can speed up that process of understanding it and fixing it. So let's talk about your brand, Dealmaker. Tell me a little about it. So Southern California, you do a meetup once a month is what you said? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm a big fan of, of the philosophy of like, hey, if you don't see something in the world that you think should exist, you should go create it. So during COVID, what happened was that we couldn't get together in, in person anymore. And by then I had already had some type of, you know, kind of progress, success, whatever you want to call it. So I wanted to, you know, connect with other people, see what other people were up to. And, but we couldn't because, you know, things were locked down. So I created this YouTube channel called Alex Camacho TV. Um, and we started doing a weekly webinar. And so we just started to, you know, just kind of host these weekly free investor, you know, webinars. Sometimes we interview guests. Sometimes we just kind of talk about specific deals we're working on. Sometimes we would actually go in granular detail on a, on a subject that we wanted to teach that we felt we knew. And it really, it, it grew, you know, so my, my Facebook group now has like a, a thousand people in there, you know, uh, the deal makers. And then we started also doing meetups once things kind of opened up. So that's grown now. I mean, it's always two, 300 people. So it's pretty wow. large. Um, and we just, it, it's usually free or just like 20, 30 bucks. This is a 10 since Southern California. Next one we're having is in, in Hollywood. And so if people go to Alex Camacho, a TV, my YouTube channel, if they go to the Facebook group, um, they can just kind of get more information about that because it's something I'm passionate about. It's called Dealmakers because it's funny, my Instagram handle used to be real estate dealmaker. My backup account still is right now because I'm having some issues with my main IG, but that's another story. And now we've just kind of, it's just grown because I would go into the videos and say, what's up my deal makers? Because I didn't want to be like everybody else. And now that's just kind of, uh, we coined the term a little bit. It's uh, not a new term, but um, I think everybody wants to be deal makers. So we um, create an environment for people to come in and be the very best deal maker they can be.
That's awesome, dude. Community is community is awesome. Um, that's a really smart thing during COVID to have moved into the webinar space. And not even necessarily a webinar, but I'm sure you allowed people to just come in and see it for free. Was that kind of? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a Zoom. It was like a free Zoom, but we call it a web, like Ask Alex webinar series, just because a lot of people to come in, ask questions. I had, you know, by that point, already worked on, you know, 100 deals or so. And then um, we're able to kind of an answer people's questions and then people really liked it. And then it, it just kind of grew and grew and uh, we continue to feed into it. Well, we have one at pretty much every single month and it's always, you know, 150 or so people at least. That's really cool. It's really smart to take an advantage of, especially in a place like California, where I imagine lockdown was nuts. Like couldn't go anywhere, couldn't go, couldn't do anything. Definitely nobody's gonna let you host an event with a hundred people in a room. Um, so it's a, that's a really smart way to pivot and take advantage of something that people coined as negative in a sense of we can't meet up, can't, you know, gain it. Hey, let me create this virtual room where we can all get together. So yeah, yeah, of course. So anybody, if you're in uh, Southern California and is there a certain like same date, same time every month? Yeah, I, we are uh, every single month. We were doing it like the last Thursday of the month. So that's typically what it is. And just so people know that, hey, this is, um, we're gonna have a meetup. It's usually in the evening time, like six to nine. And um, usually, you know, you get, people just have drinks um, and then just talk about, sometimes we have speakers, other times it's just, it's really, really about the networking because I found through soliciting a lot of feedback from people that attend the meetings because there's so many of them. Hey, what do you like about it? And the consensus is always the same. I like networking with people that I could do business with or I could learn from. And so we just try to minimize like all the speakers and, and all that type of stuff to just give value. But people are here to meet other people. Yep, that's awesome. So now let's talk about some stuff that I'm sure everybody also wants to learn about. And that's some real estate. Uh, we'll talk about some specifics. What is your go-to marketing channel that you're using to get homes right now? Yeah, so our go-to right now, and because it, it is a moving target, so I think um, it's not always going to be the same. I used to be big on off-market PPC, cold calling and all that, but that shifted. Um, and so we've gone to a little bit more of the model of getting deals through the MLS, through working with wholesalers and through a social media. I would say those are kind of our bread and butter right now. Um, the MLS for me has always been consistent. Out of the 140 deals or so that I've done now at this point, at least half of those have been sourced from the MLS, but it's because we have a system around it. And we also build contacts and connections through the MLS. Um, and so it's not necessarily just that um, there isn't deals on MLS, it's just if you know how to vet deals quickly, if you know how to make offers in a way that you know gives you, you get counters and get consideration, then um, you can consistently buy houses from the MLS. Now, if you're in a smaller market, it's a little bit different. I think there's nuances to everything because I'm in Central California and it's an enormous geographic area. And, you know, we're, we're farming deals all over the place. We have three people in acquisitions. I mean, there's one person like literally on the MLS, like almost every single, I mean, almost all day, all day, you know, just making offers. Um, if you don't have something like that, then you're not going to get deals there. Um, so I'm happy to go and granular detail on our MLS strategy. Number two is just connecting with wholesales consistently. Um, and that has worked for us over and over again because um, wholesalers go out there and do the heavy lifting. We, we're more of a flipping company, more of an acquisition company than we are wholesalers. We'll wholesale on, on occasion, but it's it just something that um, I found that, especially newer wholesalers that maybe I can help out in their journey. And, and, and like I said, through the meetups, through all my experience, through all my contacts, so I really try to bring new uh, new wholesalers up and in that they have a little bit more potential commitment to like do a deal with me. Let's just, I'm gonna be real. Uh, but if they're a really advanced wholesaler, 
probably, you know, they got a thousand buyers in their buyer list. They're probably not going to send me a deal first. So I think there's a little context there. And then uh, finally through social media, I found that there's just a ton of people on there. So um, I'm on there constantly promoting that we're buying or what we're buying or what we're rehabbing. So then people can reach out to us and send us opportunities and want to work with us through that, those channels as well. That's awesome. I, I think, I think you nailed it, you know, a MLS, what I got out of that is you are making offers to get counters, you know, you're yep. not, getting, you're not reaching out to the realtor and the realtor just blowing you off. It's a, Hey, you know, even if you're 50 grand off, it's like, Hey, give me an offer, especially in somewhere like Southern California. And I think that's the key for anybody making offers on the MLS is try to make something or create your offer to where you get a counter because then you can start talking and understanding why they're selling. Yeah. And if you make enough offers, you're going to run across agents that, you know, just you resonate with that you make connections with. And then sometimes they have another deal unrelated that they could send you because they like the way you conduct yourself as an investor. And so, you know, the, the saying of contacts equal contracts. And if you don't get the counter, then, um, you know, you're not going to be in the, you know, like I said, just you want consideration and yeah. sometimes it might be off a little bit, but you just really want the, that engagement. And then sometimes people fall off um, and don't perform. So then guess what? If you performed well, and even if you went to hire offer, they're going to come back around and give you the deal. So there's multiple ways there that you can get that deal. Not necessarily just because you're making a volume of offers. So that means you're getting a volume of con contacts from the MLS, which are which is valuable. And then also, if you're looking at a lot of properties, you're getting better at knowing your neighborhoods, um, you know, better and better and better. And then these uh, boomerang deals, as we like to call them, they just come back around because they fall out of escrow all day, every day. Um, and so, yeah. Now in California, are y'all looking to add square footage, make things a little bit bigger because of the price per square foot? Like, is, do you have you learned how to look at a house and say, oh, I can make this 2-1 a 3-2 a really easy, which can bring the value up in California, multiple six figures, you know, which yes. offers. Yes, what we're doing, we're, we're adding small unit developments to our repertoire now. So that's kind of our next goal is to start working on those houses that are certain lot sizes with certain zoning, where we could tear down the house, essentially build four units. And then they're allowing us to build two ADUs concurrently. So essentially I'm gonna replace that single family with six units. And then those plays are super lucrative and they could be done in about 18 months, sometimes as soon as one year. So I'm gonna be working on a handful of those this year because they're, they can make 10X what I would make on a flip. And I could also either keep it uh, or flip it for huge returns. So, um, you know, it's just to kind of diving into the developer space, although there's a, a lot of barriers of entry, I mean, we're talking about making half a million dollars, a million dollars on a deal in a year, year and a half. That's 10x what I make on a flip. So yeah. it, I'm getting into that space, buddy. Let's go. Yeah, and it's nice, you know, have one of those sitting out every year or two. And then it's like, oh, wait, all of a sudden, I'm going to make seven figures this month because I did the work 18 months ago. And yeah. having a couple of those laid out is always nice to have in the pipeline. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I was resistant because I operate more in the single family cosmetic working class kind of neighborhoods and, yeah. and development doesn't pencil out as much in those type of neighborhoods. So now what we're doing is we're just targeting other more mid tier, higher tier neighborhoods with specific zoning. And so it's not a huge list, um, but it's something that's totally within our capacity. And now I understand it and I'm seeing other people do it because I'm spending more time in LA. So it's just, you know, that, that graduation of like from investor to developer is that now I'm searching for this year. Nice. And then you said with wholesalers, to go back on that, you kind of talked about bringing up newer wholesalers. Um, you know, I hear I hear flippers. I'm a flipper primarily myself. I'll wholesale a couple a year maybe. 
Uh, but I hear so many people complain about these new wholesalers sending out crappy deals. They don't open them. They don't respond to them. They treat them like crap. I'm the opposite. I open the email and I just say, Hey, what's going on? I'm the opposite. Like I, I respond to them and I say, Hey, this deal doesn't make sense. You know, what kind of traction are you getting? Can I help you with it? Um, and, and it may not, that deal itself may not be a deal, but I wasn't the person that just shut the door on them, treated them like, you know, they were an idiot, didn't know what they were doing. Then the next time they say, Hey, Brandon, I got one, two, three main street kind of interested. Can you help me lock this up? Yes. So I have found that the first five to 10 deals that a new wholesaler does, they might need either help with, or maybe they underprice a little bit because, you know, they don't have this huge, robust disposition system yet. So what I try to do is try to elevate those, help those people. And then, you know, they remember me and they appreciate it. And there's more of a personal connection there and a relationship that can then develop into something else where someone comes up and like, Hey, I got to close quick on this one. No, I know Alex will perform. This is his buy box. Yeah, maybe I'm going to make 10,000 less, but I know it's going to get done and I'm not going to have to worry about it. And then I can just start marketing more with the money I'm going to make. And so I think there's a lot of value from, you know, helping people early on in the journey if you're a little bit more advanced. Um, so that's what I, the approach that I take is, hey, maybe I can help this person out um, more. But I work with other really advanced wholesalers as well. Uh, I just tend to find that I had the most success with the ones that are earlier on because I can help them the most as well. So it just kind of, uh, hey, who can I work with? And I'm not really their avatar. If you're a really advanced wholesaler that has this robust disposition system, I'm probably not your buyer. Why? Because they usually they're looking for like a hedge fund that's gonna take a lower return on investment. They're usually looking for somebody that maybe might be a buy and hold investor that will pay more. Um, or they're using, frankly, they're looking for an inexperienced, you know, flipper to just kind of take a bad deal. Yep. So I'm not any one of those three, um, except sometimes a buy and hold on certain products, but I like to make money and buy properties that appreciate in Hawaii um, and or multifamily and other more uh, property owner, not talent friendly states. So uh, like Arizona, you know, Texas and Florida and other, other parts of the country. So in Southern California, I'm not gonna take a really thin buy and hold deal with the tenant laws. It's just not my buy box. But see, it's understanding my counterpart. It's understanding the other person. It's understanding where the homeowner is coming from. It's understanding where that wholesaler is coming from. It's understanding where the people in your network, where you can add value and help them the most. And so I think psychology is super important when it comes to real estate investing because you have to put your shoes in the other party's shoes so then be able to see hey how can i really work with the per this person effectively yep i think i think those are all really good points and you know you're telling me you don't want to uh have to evict a tenant in california yeah i've, I've heard some horror stories of non-tenant friendly states and having to to take care of that stuff yeah, and then you have the holding costs and the legal costs, and it's it's just yeah, man, it's it's a big burden, and I'd rather avoid that. Um, I have one house that I haven't been able to get into in almost eighteen months, and that hasn't paid me rent. That cost me four thousand dollars a month. But on the flip side of that, I bought an amazing property in Hawaii that I'm up a million dollars in equity that was tenant friendly. But I read the situation, and um, I can't say that it's all been bad because you know you do get those bad apples. But I've uh, I've had some very lucrative deals come across my desk as well in uh, California and Hawaii. So. I'm not going to knock it completely. Yeah. So, all right. So you're doing mainly MLS wholesalers and then social media. So how have you, when you talk about social media, are you connecting with other investors or sellers finding you on social media? Kind of who is, who is your avatar that you're looking for uh, through your social media posts? 
Yeah, so the main avatar I'm looking for is, as I mentioned, the newer wholesalers, uh, real estate agents in my market, um, and uh, contractors, and then people that potentially want to work with me. So I think as an uh, investor or business owner, you're mainly investor, but you're looking for, you're always looking for deals, you're always looking for money, you're always looking for talented people, and you're always looking for contractors. That's if you're rehabbing property, right? And so um, my target audience is kind of those four categories. However, it, it kind of changes. So I, I'm promoting an event that I'm doing in Maui, for example, at the end of this month. So I'm promoting for people that are intermediate advanced investors that want to join me in that mastermind. Um, other times I'm promoting just for newer people or anybody that wants to join the investor meetups that we have every month. Um, or I'm, I'm sharing content that could help newer investors uh, that are earlier on in their journey that, that maybe could, you know, can resonate with, you know, my energy or my delivery or, you know, my channel. And so it, it's just something that, it's not quantity you're looking for. Everybody thinks, oh man, I, I don't have 20,000 followers like you do. Well, I didn't start that way. I started with one follower just like you did. Um, but if you're producing content and you're taking action, the thing is, is being more of a producer of content than a consumer of content. So I think that, that approach is super valuable and that mindset because it's not only doing the work, it's documenting the work that you're doing is really the hard part and documenting it consistently and in an entertaining way is what's difficult. But it's a long game because once you build some type of following, some type of brand, then people then know you. And so you're building the short, mid, mid and long game, right? The short game is I'm making an offer today that I want to buy a house today. The mid game is maybe just building a relationship, going to a meetup, meeting some people. The long game is social media because then I'm building a whole brand around everything I'm doing. So if you're not working on all three buckets, then you're missing the boat or missing opportunity. And you know, you said it earlier, you did almost two full years, and maybe you did two full years of this weekly webinar, Zoom, whatever you want to call it, meetup. Like there's not a lot of people who want to commit to that. They're like, hey, I just want to turn on Instagram and get a blue check mark and have you know so many thousand followers and don't realize, yeah, so I you did a commitment to something every week. And I'm sure there were times when not a lot of people were on. I'm sure there were times where there was a ton more people on. And you deliver the same value, same entertainment every single time. People are going to understand that, appreciate that. And yeah, and we have, we, we track our numbers. We have like 100 hours of watch time every week where basically we know people are watching the stuff that we put out there. Um, and it, it was difficult, but I think at the beginning doing the webinar took me like, I think a day and a half to kind of prepare for that week. And then it turned to like, you know, six, seven hours. And then it got to the point where it was the hour on the webinar an hour prep, and that was it. So two hours out of my week, but it was a high impact thing. We got a system around it. So, uh, but yeah, man, it was difficult to, you know, be traveling full time and doing a webinar here, there. Um, but we made the commitment and we saw value from it. And like you said, sometimes it would be like 12 people on, and sometimes it would be, you know, hundred people on it, it. So regards, we gave the value. Now people ask me questions on my Instagram, I'm like, hey, you know what, here's this video. Of, that's going in an hour in detail about the question you just asked me and that's going to help you more than you know whatever question or i'm not going to maybe be able back to you <laughs> so yeah. it's better you go watch this webinar and if you have any other questions after that hit me back <laughs> yeah. i love it yeah just you know it's a one-to-many model hey i answered this question check this out if you watch this entire video and you have more questions then reach out and then we can talk further so Cool, man. So tell me, how are you using Resimply in your business today? Yeah, so when I went to go look for a CRM, there's all the ones you see out there. It's like, I think it's um, Podio and um, I don't even know all the names of them, but it was Podio and all those. And then very simply kept on popping up um, as something that like people liked. For me, I'm all about the user interface and just like if it's something that I wouldn't use, 
then I don't expect my acquisitions people to do it. So we did research, we did research, and you know, obviously RE Simply is not the least expensive model out there, but I don't care about cost because for me, it's more of like, will my team be able to use it? And I just really love the interface and then all the training and then all the models and everything I've seen of it, I'm like, damn, this thing's kick ass. Like, I like this thing. And so we, we went with it and we, we've been happy ever since just because it has a lot more, um, you know, just usability than all the other ones. And and because of that, I mean, you're you're dealing on a fast paced business. You need to be able to just get into your CRM, boom, 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 and, and get the information you need and set the follow up and, and keep a track of all your inventory and all your opportunities. I, we just found that Ari simply did that for us way better than everything else we tried before. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's it's nice to be able to log into one software. You know, you don't have to get into call rail to then get into mojo dialer to then do something else and push and zap everything over. Uh, yeah. I know that was key for us is just we can go in, we have all have one login, that's it. My fa my favorite feature in it is the the renovation side, scope of work, tracking all that, the numbers, because as you know, somebody who fix and flips, man those little $100 runs to Home Depot or Lowe's can crush a budget. They don't seem yep. like it. That's awesome, dude. So last thing that we have is four questions. Uh, it's kind of our rapid fire segment. It's nothing no, nothing fast, nothing crazy, uh, but it is geared towards the newer investor. And what we're gonna ask is, what's your number one thing for data? What's your number one thing for marketing? What's your number one thing for sales and for operations? So first thing we'll say is, if you could give a newer investor one piece of advice on data, what would it be? Yeah, so on data, I think it's, it's you need to work on data that's a little bit more specific, such as like a driving for dollars list, where it's very specific to the type of properties and type in the areas that you want to focus on. Um, and then you also have to do the generic type. So you, you can't just pull a big list, absentee owners and expect that to be your end all be all. And so it's really kind of a moving target on that as well, where you're constantly, constantly looking at um, the data and then seeing it, what's working, what's hitting and not. So for example, with our, when we're cold calling, we needed to make sure that we had, um, you know, data for fresh data for our team. But once we were able to see that, hey, we need their data, the data to be the best numbers possible. We need uh, to have it constantly refreshed every single month or, or, or two months because then it gets old. Um, so I, I think it's just understanding that's something that's like an ongoing thing and it's super valuable. So somebody that's more data driven or more spreadsheet driven, you need to have someone on your team focus on that because it, it you know, managing all the lists, it, it can get cumbersome. And, but it, but it, again, it's, it's super valuable because that's your opportunities there. So make sure that, you know, you're constantly working on, um, you know, refining and improving your system for, for getting the best data possible and tinkering with the different filters and all that. But um, it, it's it's almost a full-time job. It really is to, to manage all the data. You know? Data management is a nuts amount of work, 100%, but it simply makes it easier with its list stacking. So um, number two for sale or for marketing, what would be, uh, if, if somebody newer, let's say a little bit lower budget is getting ready to start marketing, how would you advise them to start? Yeah, so for marketing, um, I advocate more of an approach of like, what's your current bandwidth? What's your strength? So for example, if you're strong, strong in sales, um, then I would think cold calling would be a great way to kind of do outbound marketing for yourself and, and pretty simple. Now, if you're a tech kind of person, very techie, then I, I've had a lot of success with Google ads and you know the Google PPC campaigns because there's less leads, but they're super motivated. 
Um, so I think you need to kind of pay, take a close inventory of like the different marketing channels and then pair them up with your strengths. So that way you're giving yourself the best opportunity to have success because now, you know, it just fits you. Um, also, some people try to do this job or try to do this business kind of on a more of a part-time basis, like you got a full-time well-paying gig. Well, if you need, if you most of your day is tied up with, you know, your demanding job, then you probably don't want to be spending a lot of money on Google PPC for expensive leads, but you probably do want to be attending, you know, networking, you know, uh, networking events on your off time. You do want to be, you know, making offers on MLS and things like that. So I think there's different acquisitions channels. Um, and so, you know, and for example, like text, text message marketing, we've done pretty good on that as well. And um, if you have a demanding job, but then you have some off time there, that could be a good fit. So just analyze the different marketing channels and see what your budget is and see what your strengths are and try to match those up. Is, is my And then once you get one, get at one or two marketing channels, don't be afraid to get into other marketing channels because now you've got success going on one channel. So start trying to, you know, stack on that, add on top of that, um, because it's, it's, it's a constant growth of, of the marketing. Uh, for us also, we have done well with marketing ourselves through social media, as I just mentioned, social media might not cost a ton. So uh, that, that's something that I constantly tell people that they should be doing, because if you've had any level of success in anything in your life, you're not sharing stuff online. I encourage people to think of it more from like, hey, you're withholding value from the world because you're not out there putting yourself out there on what's working for you. And, you know, no one else is going to kind of promote for you. Who else is going to, you know, ring that loud horn and say, hey, I do this. I'm great at this. That needs to be you. And, and that's I think that's done through social media right now. So, awesome. Yeah. I love it. And I think that the, the takeaway I got is know your strengths and know your budget. Lean into both of those two. That's a good place to start and add on. So awesome. Yes, all right. So how about sales? You did sales, you did cold calling, all kind of stuff. What would be a piece of advice you'd give for sales? Yeah. So big piece of advice for me would be that, um, I think sales training is important. I think there's a couple of sales trainers out there. I know Steve Trang, Max Jimenez comes to mind. I think um, there's also um, John Martinez. So there's three or four, I think, sales, uh, investor sales gurus that, I don't even like to use guru, but just sales trainers for investors that are valuable that you get you know, um, experience with them or attend a workshop. Um, some of them are really affordable. Um, also, um, being around other strong closers. Like, I mean, I am a closer, so I can help other people become a closer. I think some people have more pers sales personalities than others. And I think people that, um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of personality uh, testing, you know, assessments to see if it, you have a sales personality, because if you're someone that's introverted and doesn't really have uh, that type of personality, and it's kind of like really uh, swimming, up, uh, swimming upstream for you, then maybe it's better for you just to hire on that part for your business. Although you could learn it, you, I think you we all need to develop influence, develop persuasion. It's, it's a valuable skill for anybody, um, but I think so, it's easier for other, some other than others. And so I think it just put yourself in a position where you can get better at it and confident. But if it's something that's a natural strength, then double down on that because then you can become a master at it. Oh yeah, good sales, man. That's it's you know, and similar to what we talked about in the beginning. There's nothing wrong with hiring mentors and and getting in trainings and being in those rooms. Yeah, you'll learn about sales, but you're also gonna be around a bunch of other people doing sales. Yeah. And then last thing from like a, you know, the newbie building a business from like an operational standpoint, whether it be hiring, firing, training, whatever, 
What's one key piece of advice you would give somebody new starting their business? Yeah, so one uh, book that I love, and I think you're probably familiar with it, uh, is called Traction. Mm-hmm. Um, discusses the the uh, entrepreneur organization, I think business model of, of the, you know, this way of running a business and it fits really well with the real estate investing. So I would say definitely read that book. And the follow-up book to that is uh, called Rocket Fuel, which is just describes this mindset of, hey, there's typically gonna be a CEO, a COO, or what they call a visionary in the book and an integrator. And it just shows that um, we can't build great companies or build great businesses kind of all on our own. And it, it, there is a lot of value from having a partner or somebody kind of in the seat of like driving the uh, operations of the business. For me, I'm more on the visionary side, although I have plenty of uh, capacity and skills within the operational part. Um, I found that I'm better at building the, the big relationships and you know closing the big deals and working on the social media and working on certain things than I am just going and working on spreadsheets and working on things that, you know, are systems related like the CRM. Like I don't really know how to use RE simply that well because I don't use it that much personally, but I use it enough to know that this is great for my team. And then my, you know, operations supervisor is the one that's kind of really helped integrate them the team and always optimizing it. So just understanding that, you know, your skills are best used in certain parts of the business. And so that book has been super helpful. Obviously there's other stuff in addition to that, but I think that's a good basis for you just have that mindset of, hey, I need to uh, to build a business. I need to have different departments and then everybody needs to have a role in that department and that needs to be defined for it to have success and for me to have a real business. It's, I've heard that book. I love the book, I've read it. That's, it's, it's something that, you know, new business owners learning that. And I think Rocket Fuel, doesn't get mentioned enough. The idea of like the visionary integrator, CEO, CEO, whatever, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. read that. And you, you instantly realize, Hey, I am you really kind of put yourself in a seat there. You realize, you realize I'm more this than that. Well, Alex, I appreciate your time today. Um, let everybody know how they can uh, best find you, follow you, reach out to you. Um, if they want some more information about your meetups or whatever you have going on. Yes. Yeah, so I think what's uh, the easiest way to get in touch with me, currently is to go to my Instagram handle. It's Alex Camacho TV. Um, my backup account is real estate dealmaker. As I said, I've been having some challenges, but I'm very confident I'll have the Alex Camacho TV backup or go to real estate dealmaker on Instagram. And right behind that, you can go to my YouTube channel if you're looking for some free content, stuff that I've already done in the past, as I talked about the webinars. And if you're in Southern California, please come to one of our meetups. It's every month, last Thursday of the month. It it varies on location. So just follow my my, uh, socials to see where that's going to be at. And I'd love to meet people in person and see how I can help in their growth and their journey in real estate investing. And therefore, we could collaborate and elevate each other. Get it. Awesome, Awesome, dude. I appreciate it. If I'm uh, in Southern California, I'll hit you up to come out, check out one of your meetups. I love it over there. So, yeah, if you ever want to visit Hawaii, let me know. I got a couple places there in Oahu and and also Maui. Or if uh, deals come up in Hawaii, let me know. Um, So, uh, you know, Arizona or Southern California or Mexico, if you ever want to come south of the border, let me know, bro. My cousin lives in Honolulu, so we go we go to Hawaii every other year. So yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, everybody, you can uh, check out the Resimply podcast, and if we provide any value for you today, we'd love a review. So take care. Mm-hmm.